So you start preparing for the hearing. Mm-hmm. Just walk us through kind of that, that um, as you prepare and as you lead up to the hearing, what's going through your mind, how do you feel, and, and what's your experience? Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, going through uh, these sorts of allegations, it's definitely nerve-wracking. Um, it definitely did not put me in, in the right state of mind. Um, I was nervous because I've worked up all the way till my junior year in, in college to be a good student, to put us to put me where I am, and everything could diminish just because one night of false allegation. So I was I would, I would be in my room crying sometime. I would feel really depressed. Sometime I would be upset about why this would happen to me. But um, during the leading up to the hearing, um, when we were preparing, I would often come to the, Greg's office. We would sit down, talk through the case multiple times, more than just once. would go over it over and over and over again. And every time we would go over it, we would find new things that corroborates my side of the story and that contraindicates her side of the story, um, which is really helpful. I think it's really important to have an attorney to go over everything more than just once, multiple times to put to truly put their time into the case because I can tell Greg did put a lot of effort into it, reading up the case and asking me questions to um, raise concerns for her side of the story. And we, we generally did our prep work in the evening when when he wouldn't come to my office we'd talk it at night because you know being an attorney being in court all day him being a student being in class all day doing his research trying to find the time between an attorney and a student to sit down for an hour or two to to go through the evidence so i'd say the week or two leading up to the hearing Mm -hmm. we probably talked on a nightly basis at nine o'clock at night to do our prep work because that's when he was free and that's when i was free um, and like he said, every time you read this report, something else came to light. And it was like, wait a second. Now let's go back to what the witness said. This this doesn't make sense. These are two individuals who are in the same place saying two different things. And you can't just do that once. You can't just read the report and be fully prepared. Every time we, we read the report, something else came to mind. We would jot it down. We would talk about it, talk about it the next day. And ultimately, what we're doing is building a foundation for the hearing of the things that we wanted to talk about, the things that we thought were important. Um, obviously, the the hearing board gets access to the same evidence packet that we have, um, but it's it's not the the case where we want to rely upon them to find the inconsistencies that we think are important. We wanted to tell them, um, and we were able to do that in this case. And um, I thought that the preparation that we did was extensive. It was long, um, but necessary. So really in a lot of our Title IX cases, and, and not just yours, but what you're talking about is a credibility case. Sure. And, and credibility as a criminal attorney, both a prosecutor and a criminal defense lawyer, a lot of cases are credibility cases. And you look at, uh, when you say building a case, I know what you mean as another lawyer, as a coworker, but it's, is this story likely to be true? Does the evidence match up with the testimony? And students come to us and they say, well, what can you do for us? I have an advisor at a college and they're trying to help me out and they're from the college. And I think, you know, from my perspective, Greg has spent the last decade learning how to build cases, how to make evidence uh, 
show the truth. And, and he's done that on both sides. So when he talks about building a case, I know exactly what he means, but to the people kind of listening, that's, uh, I think a lawyer is a good case uh, or is good for a title nine case because you have to, you're going to get the facts and the evidence. The colleges do a pretty decent job of interviewing, of going out and trying to find the evidence. They let you gather your evidence, but then that evidence tells a story and you have to do the work, but not only do you have to do the work, you have to know how to organize it in a way that leads to the truth. Yeah. And I think one of the other questions that you and I always talk about, Bob, in these types of cases is, you know, that the hearing board is going to be asking themselves, if this is not true, why would the, be, the person be saying it? Why? Every, every allegation of sexual assault, it's the most important question in every case we do criminal or at the college level. If it didn't happen, why would they be saying it happened? There are countless reasons why that is the case. I mean, we've had criminal cases. Um, we've had Title IX cases. And in every case, it's a little bit different. Sometimes the intentions can be malicious. Um, sometimes they can be harmless. Um, sometimes they can be misunderstood or mistaken. Um, so one of the things we like to do besides critiquing the evidence and figuring out what is true or likely to be true is um, what's the background of this person as opposed to my client? Why, why would they be saying this? Um, is there anything that we can uncover uh, to give the board or a judge or a jury a, a motive for why they would do this? Um, that's the, the biggest question that prosecutors ask, you know, when you're doing a criminal case. Um, why would a victim come forward here today and testify at a trial if it's not true? And I think sometimes we figure it out. Sometimes we get it right on and sometimes we don't. And that's part of what we talk to boards about. They're obviously asking themselves that. Um, and just sometimes we don't know. We don't know why. And just by acknowledging we don't know why, but you got to forget about that and look at what the evidence shows. And I don't know what your uh, experience or opinion in regarding um, how you guys dealt with that in your particular case. Uh, yeah. So uh, in terms of the reason why behind my case, um, I think there was a lot of things adding up to the reason why there is drama was in the boyfriend, girlfriend relationship. Um, and there's also um, relationship with between me and their friends, um, their boyfriend, her boyfriend that could have put weight into him coercing her into um, doing such a thing. And uh, the stuff he tells her, which was mentioned in the uh, hearing packet, could also put away on why she would have done done such a thing or accusing me uh, of such heinous allegation. But um, ultimately, we're able to add up all the little things and present to the college that, hey, here's a reason why she's doing this. We're not 100% sure, but here's what we think and here's what we believe. And aside from that, me and Greg were also able to, um, as we said earlier, go through um, the hearing packet multiple times to outline all the small inconsistencies and outline everything that doesn't make sense to a common person, everything that doesn't add up. And ultimately, we're able to add all these things together, put it together, and build our case to show that 
why the other party is not credible, why they are not telling the truth, because none of those would make sense if they were telling the truth. And we also laid down the background, the reason why she could potentially be doing this. And ultimately, I think to the hearing board, because um, they are people too, they've gone to college, they've had interaction with uh, boys and girls and college students, they ultimately know that none of those things make sense. And which is likely why they gave us a favorable decision that found me not responsible based on all evidence uh, provided. What would you tell somebody if they were accused with something, whether it's criminal or something in a student conduct world? And um, what would you tell them about your experience with King Law? Um, I think it would be very, 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 very important to hire um, someone who you can trust, someone who's going to work hard, for you. Um, and I think King Law did that for me and they did everything they could. Me and Greg would FaceTime at 9 PM the week before, um, month before we would work together on cases, meeting multiple times. And I think, um, it is also very advantageous to have, to have a legal representation in case of any questions. And, uh, Greg have been doing everything he can to help me out because, during the hearing, um, at the beginning, one of the members of the hearing board was actually friend and in the same sorority as an opposing party's witness. And Greg, me and Greg were able to find out about that by looking through social media, and we objected to it right away. The hearing board is only consistent of three individuals, and if one of those individuals is biased, that could play a big role on how the decision turned out. And I'm so happy that me and Greg were able to find out the fact that this happened and were able to object to the college immediately. And the college ultimately honored our decision because uh, ultimately honored our objection because it is not fair to have someone whose friends was a witness on the hearing board. And um, yeah, it, it is very important to seek zealous representation in cases like this because um, quite frankly, a lot of times um, people don't care about the rights of people who are charged with something or who are being accused with something. Me growing up, I think if I hear a story, someone, hey, this person is being accused of this, you ultimately think they're guilty. But a lot of time going through this um, changed my view on that because a lot of time there could be really innocent people out there being accused of something terrible. It could be good people making bad mistake. And I think in every situation, it is very important to have someone to be there for you, to advocate for your rights, um, for a fair hearing, for a fair trial, to help you um, find all the inconsistencies within the case, to have a private investigator to look into your case for you. I think all these things are crucial leading up to success, um, just because how biased, biased this world is and how biased um, people tend to come when it comes to um, allegations of sexual assault or sexual harassment. Um, yeah. So, Greg, you're acting at the college level as an advisor, but you're also transitioning. You're, you are a highly skilled attorney, and there's a little bit of a crossover on some of the cases where you're you're talking about larger legal issues other than just the particular hearing. And I know. It seems like every hearing we do, at the beginning of the hearing, we end up calling the general counsel and saying, somebody's 
doing something they shouldn't be doing. Yeah, I think it's important to have an attorney. You do not have to have an attorney. The school, the college will provide you with an advisor, which typically is a professor or some staff member from the college who's had some training in Title IX investigations. Um, but in my opinion, this may not be um, true for everybody. I don't want to uh, make it seem that way. But they are not trained in the strategy of cross-examination. They are not trained in the strategy of investigations. Um, their role from the college's point of view, in my opinion, is to help guide the person through the process, telling them that, you know, this is your interview. This is what they're going to ask you. This is the date for your hearing. This is what's going to happen at the hearing. Um, but not getting uh, antiquated with the details of the investigation, performing your own investigation, talking to witnesses, not just telling your client that, hey, you got an interview on this date, you're going to talk to someone about the incident, but telling them, this is what they're going to ask you. This is what the other person said. Um, how do you respond to this allegation? Is there something else that they're not going to ask you that you think it's important for them to know? And if so, you should volunteer that information. Um, and as we had just discussed, there's always legal issues, in my opinion, and I can tell you about two of them specifically. Um, as we just mentioned, when a hearing is scheduled, you are notified as to who the board members may be, and the college will tell you if you have any objection to those individuals, you must do so now before the hearing starts or else you waive that objection. And in the last case that we did, um, we found out that a person who is going to be on the board, who is going to be deciding this case, was well known to the uh, complainant and her witnesses. Not only well known, but friends. It, that just can't be. We're in the truth-seeking process. The person who's deciding this case should be neutral, unbiased and fair. So we were able to successfully uh, advocate and, and object to that person um, sitting on the board. And we did have a three-person board who turned out to be fair, neutral, and unbiased. And uh, in another case, um, we, you know, you go through this whole process. There's the interview, you get the evidence packet, um, witnesses make their statements, the statements are given to you so that you can prepare for the hearing. Um, all evidence that is turned in has to be done so within a certain period of time so that you can prepare for the hearing. And I showed up at a hearing uh, with a client, and on the day of the hearing, they're handing me text messages and photographs that we had never seen before. And um, they gave them to us and said, we're going to consider these as part of the evidence packet that you've already gotten. And I said, hold on, time out. We're going to object to this. So I raised a legal objection in front of the board and um, essentially advised uh, the board as to what the policy said and to the point that I had to tell them the page number of what policy we were referring to, what paragraph we were referring to. The board took a timeout. They went. They read their own policy. They came back and they said, you know what? You're right. Our policy does state that all evidence must be turned in three days prior to the hearing. And the, the text messages and pictures that were uh, kind of thrust upon us at the last minute were um, precluded from being part of the evidence packet. So we've taken over cases from advisors, some really nice folks that try to help the accused. I mean, these are people who are signing up for, I don't think they get paid any extra. They're, they're trying their best. 
I think we've had a music professor, a political science professor, and you know, just like we can't teach music and we can't teach you about history. This is what you do every single day. And it's, I don't think it's reasonable to think that, that a music professor is going to be able to cross examine uh, a witness the same way that you, you cross examine people every day. You are a lawyer every day. This is what you do. Yeah. These cases are serious. And uh, one way to illustrate this, do you remember the case a couple of years ago where uh, we, we were hired by an individual. They came in and they said, my advisor told us to hire you. Do you remember that? <laughs> and it was a professor. And I remember the professor calling you and basically telling you, look, I think this person is telling the truth. Right. And I, I, I believe she said, I did it. I, I want to help people. I signed up to help people. I did an eight hour online training and they hand me a student who's, they want to expel. And she's like, I don't want the burden of that, not the not the burden of the work, but the mental or moral burden. Yeah, and, and that advisor took the time to talk to you about what she had done so far and basically telling you, like, look, I think this kid needs a professional to help him. I want to help him, but I'm not fully trained to the extent that I need to be to help him. Um, and, you know, it's it's honorable that the advisor was willing to, to say that to us because, you know, who knows what would have happened if, if they didn't hire us. Obviously, we were successful in that case as well. Um, but, yeah, advisors can be good. They can be bad. So let me just interrupt you kind of. The advisors that are out there that we talk to, and, and I've received calls from advisors. We give them some tip. What would you – what would the tips be for the advisors or the students who – maybe they're not in our area or they're representing themselves. What are the things that they should be thinking about? I know the, the thing that comes to mind for me is before, during, and after. And you need to think about all three of those things. What What's right. what's the buildup? Yeah. What's the actual allegation? And then what happened after? And those three things should all match up. That's the, the first one that comes to mind for me. When you think of sexual assault, right, in – my advice would be don't get bogged down in the details of what the allegation is because truth be told, generally speaking, these allegations happen in private rooms. They happened behind closed doors. Generally speaking, there are no witnesses to a sexual assault, right? It's the person who is alleged to have been the complainant and the person who is accused. Generally speaking, it's going to be one person's word against the other. And yeah, there's details that you can discover from those interactions, um, but like you said, before, where were the people before? Who they interact with? How were they behaving? What happened after? Tell a story. Create a timeline from beginning to end. Not just beginning and ending of the allegations. Beginning of those two individuals' relationship and the end. Closing thoughts. What, what would you tell a, a young person who is accused of, of something that they didn't do? Um, I would say definitely seek help. Um, you will not be able to do this by yourself. Um, I've started, I've tried, I've thought about it. Maybe I'm just going in there. I'll tell my truth, but I know this process isn't, it's not fair. It's not designed to be fair. And a lot of time you need to have someone to be there, a professional to help you out, um, to represent you, to guide you in the right direction. And ultimately in cases like mine, um, cross-examining the witnesses, cross-examining the accuser, 
um, which is ultimately how we were able to show the board that they were being inconsistent and they were not being honest because when Greg was able to cross-examine them, um, it was kind of obvious that they were not telling the truth. How about, and just the last thing, mm-hmm. the emotional roller coaster that you've alluded to so far, but you know, speaking to another person who's out there, what, what would you say to them about what they go through and, and the emotions of, of your journey? Yes. Um, so when I just received my letter, I was in shock. I was, I was wondering, why is this happening to me? What's going on? I was kind of confused. Um, then I came to realization that this could destroy my life, destroy everything I've worked for up till this point. And then I was able to go out there and um, hire and retain an attorney to seek professional help. Um, after speaking to Greg, it made me feel a little more confident um, because he pointed out the inconsistencies. He, he, he used his experience to show me that what's potentially going to happen. And it kind of gives me a mind, peace of mind knowing that um, I'll have a good representation. But at the time, I was still extremely nervous because, um, you know, knowing your life could be, um, be in jeopardy and having to tell your family about this whole thing that occurred to you, it, it's definitely nerve-wracking. And throughout this process, I'm not, I wasn't able to get a single good night of sleep. But um, ultimately, leading up to the hearing, I feel well-prepared. I know me and Greg has done the best job we could to prepare us before we go into the hearing. And ultimately, when we went into the hearing, I feel really confident I was I was angry and I was ready to go in and tell them what exactly happened and the truth. And afterwards, I feel a sense of relief after the hearing. I know we did the best job we could. And weeks later, I was told that I'm a free man. <laughs> How'd that feel? Oh, that felt great. Um, it just feels like, you know, you know, this, you know what happened is not true. And it ultimately feel like, like the rock drop in the, drop from your heart to the river and it just feels great i don't i don't have like the best way to describe it or anything but uh or any great analogy but it's just it just feels amazing to know that um the truth prevailed and that i was able to be free and move on with my journey uh, to do whatever i want to do in the future again i can't think of a better way to wrap it up to your future